0: My topic is how can I deal with manipulation, and this is very a very important question actually. Before I dive into the message, I want to start uh, with a very simple illustration from my own family. Uh, In eight weeks, we're moving into a small apartment. We're moving out from a big house into a small apartment because our boys are now 20 and 18 years old. And I don't know when I have a house. A house means a lot of work. You have a backyard, a front yard, too many rooms to clean. You know, I don't have time because I travel. And we are reducing to half of the size. And uh, my wife said to the whole family, guys, you have to reduce half of your stuff. And for us as boys, it's not so easy because get rid of our socks and underwears and whatever. And my wife, she had a bike, and I want a bicycle. I want to show you a picture. She loaded everything was too much on the bike and she drove it away and she kicked all the things away. And when you are reducing, it creates in your soul an amazing feeling. You feel light. You get rid of certain things you should get rid of. Anyhow, a long time ago, the same thing is as well in our spiritual journey with God. Sometimes you have some habits or some obstacles. It's time to kick them out from our own spirit to feel fresh and close by Jesus Christ again. And this is actually the meaning of that message this evening. I want to start with a woman from the Old Testament. uh, And her name is Jezebel. Maybe if you're coming from a Pentecost church, maybe you heard the slogan, you have the spirit of Jezebel. I don't want to speak about that. She's just a a mirror for our own life. Let's Google for a moment the word Jezebel. I like Google because Google, you can Google everything. Now Google for you guys. Here is live, Jezebel.com. And yes, and then you see a picture. Then you're going again to the images. Wow, a beautiful lady, and I click that picture, and you see the profile, the profile is endless about who she married and everything. She is a crazy, crazy lady. Here are some facts about Jezebel, about five different things. She felt rejected and inferiority. Why she felt rejected and inferiority, you have to understand, the father of Jezebel sold Jezebel to Ahab. He said, I want to build an alliance, and if I sell her, you to Ahab, I will have more land. She, she, she had no love for Ahab. This was the choice of his father, to gain more land. Can you, can you imagine how she felt? This is not my choice. The father sold me for more land. This is ridiculous. What happens usually are two things. Either you're getting pride and arrogance means this will never happen again. This is a reaction. This will never happen again. And she started, thirdly, to manipulation and control. She said, this will never happen with me anymore. My husband will not control me. I control him because my father controlled me already. She started to lie to achieve the, the goals. And the fifth thing, she implanted the spiritual... Um, uh, sexual immorality in the whole entire land, because she, she said, I was married to a guy I never loved. And she said, let's break that rule. And I think often we experience certain things in our childhood, you know, and sometimes it creates a wound. And out of that wound, if you're not uh, taking care for that wound, the devil somehow sneaks in and we're getting bitter. And out of the bitterness, we make crazy decisions and Jezebel is just a woman in the Old Testament uh, as a mirror to say I don't want to be like her and I have some questions because in the book of Revelation the Bible speaks about Jezebel in Revelation chapter 2 verse 18 and uh, we will read a lot of Bible verses in that message to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. The Bible says, right in the beginning, God, and that's good news. That's, by the way, good news. God sees everything. Always when I went out for for party, my mom always said to me, Leo, God sees everything. It was not good news for me. Like, Mom, don't say that. But the Bible says God sees everything. God sees beneath our deepest heart, God sees, sees everything, why we do what we do. And the Bible says, God knows and sees everything. I want to come up with three theses this afternoon. The thesis number one, are you ready? Control is a human phenomenon. It's a human phenomenon. This is my thesis number one. Why, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, it's the reason why I come up with this thesis, the woman, he said, I will make your pain much worse in giving birth. And to the husband, hold the hand strongly. No, it's not there. <laughs> you will give birth to the children in pain, you, yet your desire will be for you, husband, and he, please listen, will rule over her. Ruling, friends, was never God's intention. Rule means actually controlling. Your husband will rule, will control you. Can I hear an amen? No, there's no amen. (laughs) There's no good because before the fall of man, before the fall of man, men and women, we were like shoulder on shoulder, side and side. We were equal. We were a team. God meant that men and women, we are a team. We are equal loved, equal gifts, but equal shaped. But with the fall of man, ruling, controlling came into our people. That means this is a part of sin, actually. And we have to understand this is not the idea of God Almighty, actually. I want to ask you uh, some questions, do you know any family that one part is more in control or is more more controlling than the other one? Do you know anyone in your neighborhood? Can you lift up your hands? 70% are saying, oh, this is actually in my family. Yeah, you know, it's always one part is more controlling or a little bit stronger than the rest. And I want to ask you three leadership questions. I love leadership questions because they are so sharp and they're on the point. Are you ready? Just think for yourself for a moment. I expect that the people who I carry responsibility for, from a family, business or church, do what I want them to do. If this is you, don't lift your hands. The second question, leadership question, I push down other people so that I can control them much better. Never, never believe in people, otherwise, they're getting too strong. The third question is I do not say what my goal is, but I manipulate people so that they do what I want them to do. And you see, control manipulation actually is all over. Uh, I was, I flew out to, um, to, um, what is the word in Italy? To Palermo. Palermo, Palermo Italy. I flew to Palermo because we have ice nice Palermo there for coaching. And we parked our car in a public parking slot. And then there comes a guy and he said to me, with no words, I said, what, 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 what is this move? He said, five euros. I said, for what? For the parking slot. I said, guy, that's not your parking slot, this belongs to the government. This is a public sp- parking slot. He said, but I am the boss of this parking slot. I said, okay, uh, what, what will happen if I don't pay the 5 euros? He said, very easy. I damage your car and you will not go home anymore. What do you prefer, 5 euros and going home with the car or your car is done? I call that manipulation. I call that a controlling spirit, you know? And you can see this all over in different nations. This is not setting free. It's actually putting people under manipulation and control. The thesis number two I come up with is, there is a spiritual power of controlling, manipulation and religiousness. And I want to say to you, this spirit is very mean. This spirit is so mean. This spirit you can often see even in churches or even sometimes in ministries, they're using the Bible for their own profit. You know, when, when Jesus was fasting 40 days in the, in the desert, he was praying with God and seeking God and, and had a good time with God. The Bible says he was super weak. And in that moment, the devil appears. And you have to understand the strategy of the devil is he is super smart. The devil, point number one, he believes in God. That's why is the devil not so easy. The second thing, the Bible knows that the devil knows the Bible very well. Because the, Bible, the devil start to quote the Bible to Jesus. The Bible said the devil said to, to Jesus, it is written in the Bible. He used the Bible to manipulate control Jesus actually. And Jesus said, what are you doing? And this happens so often in churches. I will never forget when I was in my teenage years. It's about 10 years ago. No, it's 20 years ago, 30 years ago. A long time ago. I will never forget. I came into a church. It was a Pentecost church. It doesn't matter, but it was a Pentecost church. And I heard that one guy was pointing a lady and said to her, God said, spoke to me, you are my lady. And she said, flipping flip. I don't like you. You are so ugly. But if this is the will of God, what should I do? What should I say? You know, often this brings people intention. you know. You can use Bible verse. You can use prophetic words just to manipulate people for your own benefit. And this is never actually a smart thing. I want to read you two Bible verses to you guys. Let's go on in Revelation chapter 2, verse 19. I know your deeds, your love, and your faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are doing more than you did at the first. This is amazing. God says, your love is amazing, your faith is amazing, your service is amazing, perseverance is amazing. Everything is amazing. I would say, oh, wow, that's cool. That could be ICF. This is crazy. This is super, right? But... Even though if you're successful, even though if you serve God, there can be always a but. And God is saying here a but in verse 20. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servant into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to the idols. Here is a very, very important word. You tolerate. You tolerate. You know, often people come up to me and say, Oh, I'm a victim. or oh, it's not my fault. I'm married to a guy and he's very manipulative. He's very controlling. I am a victim. It's not my fault. It's his fault. I am a victim. Guys, life is not always easy. Life is not always predictable. I know that, but here the Bible is saying, you have tolerated. That means you know certain things and you do anything. And you do anything. Where, where do you have an area in your life where you sense you have the spirit of controlling or you manipulating certain things according to the way you like it? That means you're tolerating certain things in your life and are you doing something against it? Are you fighting? Are you praying? Are you fasting? Are you asking God for a breakthrough? Or could it be that even in your small group there's always one person who mis- is misusing the Bible and prophetic words to control people? If I see this, the Bible says, I am responsible to get up and do something. If I'm not, I allow that spirit to sneak in. I want to go to point number three. My thesis number three is destructive manipulation and control can be identified. How can I identify the manipulation? It's very simple when you think about a tree, an apple tree. It's very simple. Just study the fruit. Study the fruit. Is the fruit healthy? Study a person. Study a church. Study a ministry. Is the ministry healthy? This more Jesus. Healing takes place. People are flourishing by the fruits you can define. Or there's some fruits, they're not healthy. In the tree, with the tree you can define, is this a manipulation or not? I want to tell you a story and I know this story is maybe a little bit edgy to tell it but I want to be really straight because I think manipulation is also a big topic in churches around the world. I was in America some years ago. I was zapping on on the television and I heard one uh, preacher, he preached a crazy message. He was raising money for his own ministry and he said in front of the TV, God said me, he said If you donate 1,000 US dollars right now, I will pray for you. God has given me the healing gift and I will pray for you personally and you will get healed immediately. I said, wow, that's amazing. Healing for 1,000 dollars, that's a good deal. But he repeated for a half an hour. The heaven is right now open, but only for a half an hour. Hurry, go to the phone, pick the number, donate the $1,000. And I pray right now, you get healed right now. I thought, guy, what are you doing? If you need money, then say, guys, I need money. But never use God, the Bible, healing the needs of the people. And I got really mad. To be honest, when I hear certain things, I get really mad because the kingdom of God is never a business. It's never a business. It cannot be a business. This is for me manipulation in a very, very weird way, to be really honest. You know, often ISAF is often all over the news. And I want to speak a little bit about our culture. I don't want to say we are perfect because we are far away to be perfect. But sometimes you see news like uh, there are gurus in our church. I mean, Leo Baker is a guru. It's like, wow, I'm a guru. Good looking guru. Oh, wow. When When you see this, I want to tell you why we are not a sect. Because the Bible says Jezebel was a prophet. And she start to lead and rule people and control people and saying to people what is right and not. I tell you why we're not a sect. We don't have membership. The only membership I want to challenge you to have is a membership by Jesus Christ. We don't have membership. By choice, I don't want to have members. I don't want to say, "Oh, I belong to Isaac Zurich." You belong to Jesus. The church is just a vehicle to help us to be more like Christ. And we are not perfect. And the sec- uh, second thing, the second thing is it's never a Leo bigger or le- bigger family ministry here. We're doing church together. It's not, it's not my show, it's together. We started the church as a team. We're doing a church as a team. I'm not the only preacher, I have so many preachers, so many different varieties, I believe in varieties, we're doing church as a team. And the third thing, and please listen to me, is when I preach about the Word and I think God has given me a revelation, when I think God has given me a revelation, I always say to you guys, This is my opinion. This is the way I I understand the Bible. This gives free room for you guys. Maybe you see certain things different. Often I hear, hear people saying, This is the will of God. And if you not agree, you're not born again. That's all I was saying to guys. Guys, this is my opinion. Maybe in a year ago I see certain things differently but one thing we are clear this is Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father God. But the rest when you're studying the Bible this is my opinion and this wording is so important because it gives you the freedom to say oh at that point I'm not agree I love you Pastor Leo I honor you but in that thing I see certain things different and then we have a strong coffee together. And we discuss things together we can learn from each other. This is very important. I want to give you seven sect points, oh no, no, not seven packs. Before I go on, I want to read you two Bible verses, and it's very important for me in 1st Tec- Thessalonian, five twenty and 21. It's here on the screen. Do not treat prophes- prophecy as if they're unimportant, but test everything. I want to challenge you, test every message. I say to Swiss people, Swiss people are generally a bit critic, but it's not bad. When you hear a message, test it. Test it. Don't believe everything. Believe in the word of God. The next Bible verse, in Acts chapter 17, verse 11 and 12, note the Bereans Jews were more noble characters than those in Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined. The scripture every day to see if what Paul said was true. Crazy. They studied. If we preach the word of God, study the word of God. If what we are teaching is right. And I want to give you the permission. Study. Ask questions. Read the Bible. Think until God gives you a revelation. In our church, what happens often, unfortunately, sometimes a person comes in our church, starts a small group, and people are very hungry to learn the word of God, to study the word of God, often out of a group, creates a big group, and all of a sudden that group is drifting from the church and starting their own church. I don't have a problem with new church plants. But often what I see are church planting getting very extreme in one direction. And I've seen so many Groups are drifting. They became a sect. And I want to teach you out of that context because Jezebel, she was a self-prophet. There's seven sect characteristics, characteristics of sects. Separation from the rest of the body of Christ. Some groups, they believe we are the only chosen. The rest go straight to hell. You will never hear it in Isaac. You're the only one who are really believe. God has different flavors. Point number two, emph- emphasizing specific teachings with our outside of the Bible. They have a revelation from God. As, oh, God gave me a revelation. And all of a sudden becomes an extra teaching. There is no extra teaching. Only teaching is the cross Jesus Christ. And it's always, sorry to say that, too simple. But number three, sects are against critical thinking. A sect leader will never say to church, Be critical. Just be even critical to me. Not not to the Holy Spirit, but to me. Point number four. Immorality are mostly about sexual thing. Money, possession of the members belong to the leaders. In every sect you see see a sex issue. Money issue. People give all the money to one person. The money goes never in in my ministry. It always goes to the church, to the body of Christ. Point number five. Natural family is no more a little meaning. That means often they, they, they're, not, they're not going to the family parties anymore. They say, you oh, no, my family is, are those people in my church and not my father and mother anymore. Point number six, encouraging unreasonable loyalty to the leaders. I believe in honoring and submission to the leaders, but that doesn't mean if you have a meaning, God has given you idea, you can always shoot your idea to the leader. You know, don't do it. Point number seven, punishment for leaving the group threatened with God's judgment. They will say, if you leave our group, because I am the prophet, I am the apostle, I have the word of God, I am anointed. And if you leave the group, you're going straight to hell. This is alarm. This is the moment you have to understand you are far away from the will of God. And I've seen, to be honest, so many groups are drifting from the real word of God. That's why the Bible is always warning you and me, read the signs, study those groups. They will be not healthy on the long run in your own life. The last point, separation yourself from manipulation and control. And here in Revelation chapter 2, verse 22 to 23, it's crazy Bible verse. So I will cast her on the bed of suffering. And I will make those who committed adultery with her suffer intensely. Unless they repent of her ways, I will strike her children dead. Then all churches will know that I am the one who searches hearts and minds, and I will re- repay each of you according to your deeds. That's a shocking Bible verse, right? When I read that Bible verse this morning, I was super quiet. I just read the Bible verse. God is saying, if you allow, allowing the Jezebel spirit manipulation control in your life, it's really not a small problem. It's a big thing. Because we are blocking the life of God. We are blocking that people are able to flourish. I will close with two very simple practical uh, tips for you guys. Tip number one is, you have, we have to give people a space, a freedom And this is a very, very simple illustration. I use that for leading my family, myself, Isaac Zurich and the whole movement. The the first circle, I call it me. That's me. I have some ideas, dreams, vision and plans. And the second circle, it's maybe your wife, you. And when you have two circles and both circles have an idea, some longings, some dreams, The overlapping thing, that's the most important thing. I call it values. You have to define values. What is your DNA, your family DNA? And the family DNA we have in common. That's why I'm challenging you right now, write down your values, what you believe, what is your DNA. Because when you marry, our two individuals are coming together, two different galaxies. And you don't want to control each other, how does it work? You know, just the overlapping means these are the values, what we believe, you know and this is the same thing like this gives the person left and right so much spe- uh, freedom so much space to do your own thing you understand that space to do your own thing even in our icf movement we have planted now 80 churches we have the overlapping things are the vision statement the logo and six values that's it and the rest i say do whatever you want but this is the dna of icf and if you're not happy about this DNA, you don't have to become an ICF, then choose to be a different church. But this is not manipulation or control, it's just this is the way we are. Sorry. This is the DNA. You know, you understand what I mean? This is so important. It's values, it's not like this is like the Bible, this is just the way we are. The second thing, and or close with that, you have to fight, you have to fight, you have to fight against your controlling spirit and manipulation. This is very, very important. In closing, I want to be really honest. I'm a perfectionist. I'm a perfectionist. It means I love when everything is 100% perfect. Oh, I love it. After a Sunday, when I go home, there will be never a Sunday where everything was perfect. In my message, there were some grammatically, yeah, yeah I could yeah but not so much but yeah you know what I mean I go home and say oh God I don't like that and you have to understand when you lead your kids or when you get married and if you are perfectionist you are done you are dead because the moment you get married your dreams are crushed in one second and I had to learn the word let it go let it go. Here I am. Say to a perfectionist, let it go. It's almost impossible because it doesn't feel cool. And I went to a coach for more than two years, once a month and said, I have a problem. I'm a perfectionist and it's really a problem for me because I know when you build church and you set, put people in charge, they're not doing the things according the way you do it, that means let it go means you have always a frustration in your soul. And for me to be honest, until now, it's my biggest challenge. I've only one challenge. That's my challenge. Just kidding. I have a lot of challenges. But this is really a challenge in my life. But what helps me is what God is saying in the Bible. I will not allow that spirit in me is not healed right now and i'm not okay with that and i'm not just okay that's the way i am and i will fight i will fight i will fight so long until there is a peace in me and i don't struggle anymore if people are doing certain things their way and that's my learning thing but what i learned is i don't allow that spirit the manipulation spirit the controlling spirit i cannot control my wife i cannot control my kids I cannot control ICF. That's why I start playing golf. Playing golf is not... I'm not a good golfer. But golfing is for me week by week therapy. Because golf is not the power. It's the swing. I always say not by might. Not by power. But to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit to the... Holy Spirit, it's not my perfect English, it's the anointing. Playing golf helps me to overcome that habit in my own life. What I love about Jesus is not, not, He didn't come to punish us or to feel us guilty. The cross is for me a huge symbol that God turns every minus into a plus every minus into a plus. But I have decided I will not be led by controlling Spirit, by manipulation. I will trust God. And I try to trust the Holy Spirit. I say, I try. It's always a decision. Can I ask you to do a favor? Can we close our eyes for a moment? Because I I would love to pray with you guys and I want to pray for me as well. And I know that topic is a topic for each of us. Father God, thank you so much for the word you heard tonight, and you have eyes like fire, you see what's going on deep, deep down in my heart, you know all these areas in me where I try to control things. Manipulate certain things until they turn out the way out love to see it. And I want to trust you that you are in charge of everything. You are above you're surrounding me from all the sides, and I feel sorry I want to confess for you God I have failed I have sinned I have allowed too long tolerate too long that spirit in me and I'm not a victim because I'm a son and daughter of God Almighty of Revelation starts with the Spirit of God speaks to the church and the Bible says listen to the Holy Spirit and I believe right now that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you and me and that's why I want to be quiet for a moment and I want to give the Holy Spirit just that opportunity to minister to you when we are quiet in front of the Holy Spirit. Our ears are wide open. Our hearts are ready to receive the life-changing word from God. And I need you, God. And if God has spoken to you, and God has given you revelation about a certain area, Just close that door. Say in your heart, God, I close that door. I will not tolerate that spirit anymore. Controlling is not my characteristic. Manipulation, it's not my friend. In me lives the Holy Spirit. He sets me free. He is my power, my energy, my teacher. He guides me protects me and I trust and I rely on the power of the Holy Spirit I trust and I trust and I trust close the door right now wherever you're sitting right now close that door don't tolerate that spirit anymore I fight that battle because God is in me I will not tolerate it anymore because God is here, he is here, he is here,